0: Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast. I'm Conrad Olson, founder and editor-in-chief of Scandinavian Mind. My guest today is Sofia Falk, transformation activist and author of the new book, The Diversity Paradox. Sofia has been helping some of the world's biggest brands with their diversity strategies, including H&M, Scania, Pernod Ricard and Volkswagen. I've known Sofia for a few years, She's been a contributor to our former magazine, Scandinavian Man, and I consider her one of the most thoughtful and effective people on the subject. She's been able to balance her own passion for equality with a business-driven mindset. I had a great time talking to Sofia in this conversation. We cover the difference between diversity and inclusion and why the former doesn't work without the latter, what tactics and tools companies need to implement to achieve real change why Scandinavia is not the most effective region when it comes to diversity, and how her own background in the military enforced her passion for equality. The Scandinavian Mind podcast is a bi-weekly show about the intersection of lifestyle and technology. Every Wednesday, we publish an in-depth interview with an innovator from the worlds of design, fashion, beauty, mobility, or tech. And every Friday, we publish a panel talk or other behind the scenes content from the world of Scandinavian Mind. I'd like to thank the Helio co-working space for hosting us while doing these talks. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to stay updated on the latest news and learn about upcoming talks and events. Visit scandinavianmind.com slash newsletter. Here now, my conversation with Sofia Falk. Enjoy. So I'm here with Sofia Falk, a transformative activist, as you call yourself, and the author of the new book, The Diversity Paradox. Sofia, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: Let's just start right away with this. Uh, mm-hmm. We have here the uh, paradoxen in Swedish, the diversity paradox that comes out in, in English later this spring. Um, what is the diversity paradox?
1: The diversity paradox is the uh, kind of the trend that that circulates the uh, private businesses all around the world today. That any company or any organization uh, focus extremely on the topic of diversity. Mm. And when they talk about diversity, they refer to the visible traits such as gender, nationality, color of skin, physical abilities, age. And they set targets and political corrections, you know, fancy strategies about that. Mm. And then nothing happens. We see marketing that, you know, flops or, you know, product design that doesn't work for everyone. And they can't can find the talent they need. And they kind of like, but you know, the, we had read so much research about this. We see that diversity is beneficial for business, return on investment, you know, increased market shares, all those things. And nothing happens. And the paradox is, that they focus on diversity, but they see no result. But is really not a paradox, of course.
0: Yes, because this the sub sub subline is a handbook for inclusion. So you exactly. make a distinction between uh, diversity and inclusion.
1: Exactly. So diversity is the result, and inclusion is the hard work to leverage the benefits of diversity. Right. Right. Which is mostly you know forgotten or not so prioritized in organizations today.
0: So. B- <laughs> Let's, let's unpack this, because yeah. I'm, I'm super excited about this. And because you, know, you have a long experience in working with companies uh, with these exact topics, and, and I'm guessing the book is sort of a, uh, a collection of all your experiences and what, you, what you've learned. So, yeah. w- you know, w- what do people do mostly wrong? Where, where, do, where do, do they get it wrong? Do, do...
1: Yeah, they, I think uh, there are a couple of things they do wrong. For starters, they focus on the visible traits, the visible mm. diversity, and forgot the invisible diversity. You know, all those experiences, perspectives, hobbies, life situations, everything that makes us a, an individual. Mm. So they set, kind of, they set the targets, they set the strategies to achieve visible diversity. But they missed so much. Because let's say we have... Let's take gender diversity. It's mm. easy. So let's say we have a group of 50% men, 50% men, uh, women in this management team and they had, you know, reached their target and still like nothing happens. Because all those same people, even though they are men and women, grew up in the same country, same socio-economical background, went to similar schools, studying similar stuff, working in similar companies with similar tasks for a similar amount of years. So imagine then you are this international global company where you're focusing on, you know, a diverse pool of customers. It's not necessarily means that you have a diverse of perspectives. So So it looks
0: diverse, it's not really.
1: Well, it could be. Hmm? I mean, I don't know about these people, but you cannot only focus on the visible. You have to focus on both what we see, because of course, my perspectives matter based on where I grew up, Hmm. if I am a woman or not, Hmm. uh, you know, where I went to school, if I went to university or not. Uh, But we, in a business setting, we need a diversity of perspectives. So we need to both focus on the visible and the invisible diversity. So that's the first kind of mistake companies are doing. The other mistake is that then, of course, correlation with this focus that is quite narrow, according to me, they set, Fancy strategies that are kind of very holistic and they set the targets. But again, since my experience is working with global companies, if you set a target for women or, you know, non swedes or whatever that is, and you have this company all over the world, it doesn't make sense if you're in Japan. What is diversity? What type of diversity matters there? Or in France for for that sake. So it's kind of, they set these strategies, but they're very fluffy, they're talking about innovation, they're talking about you know, employer choice, they're talking about productivity or efficiency, but there's no tactics behind it. So basically, all those microsystems in this big system, the work teams, they are left behind. Mm. Because how would they interpret these strategies to make sense of them and identify their current state, you know, identify their gaps and find the solutions they need to really act on this? So they set strategies but they think that it will, you know, solve itself. That you have to bring it down to whatever you work in this company. Is it a division, a function, a, you know, business unit, there's special markets. Uh, so that's kind of the big part. And then I think the third thing is that we see then inequality or we see, you know, power resi- uh, resides on some certain people. And they try to solve this big problem with the big solutions. But really, it is about behaviors. So, and that's why inclusion comes in. Because, I mean, inclusion is those things that happens every day in every interaction. When you interact with people, when you kind of filter the information you get, when you make judgment, form opinions. All those behaviors, if they are not inclusive, and if you don't have the diversity to have this, you know, massive perspectives to make choices or interpret information, you miss out. So three, <laughs> three challenges, basically.
0: And uh, I've enormous, uh, enormous ones, I, I would assume. And, and mm. so uh, let's unpack this, because you talked about this, uh, you know, visible versus visible. Uh, invisible. Uh, invisible. Yeah. Um, Diversity—is there? Because you know, it, it, it's my sense that some of this becomes sort of almost like signaling. You're, you're signaling that you've you've, you've taken in or people with different backgrounds or mm-hmm. different uh, skin colors or, or, or whatever it is. Um, what are the tools there? Is there a, another different set of uh, labels that we need, or how do we how do we find these different perspectives?
1: Well. Uh, and that's what the book is all about, yeah. because since, since it is about behaviors and since uh, it is about a diversity of perspective, you need to focus on your working group. Like, who do we serve? Mm. Uh, what do we deliver? To whom? Where? When? In what ways? And then kind of like, okay, are we reflecting the ones we're serving or not? Uh, can we respect them, tolerate them or not? Uh, and can we relate to them and their needs or not? and there you suddenly see a gap well you know we are making um, products for 60 plus but the ones that are testing are kind of, of devices they are mm. 25 30 years old well maybe then we need some age diversity or what if um, you're innovative you're an innovation team and you're super strategic you're super specialists but you know it's it's only your perspective what are you missing if your customers are you know the ones they are. So it's really it's um, I don't now I forgot the question because I got so passionate. <laughs> <laughs> Can you repeat it?
0: No, no, no. I'm I'm, I'm not sure I had a question, I'm, but I'm more I'm curious about the type of um, advice you give or the, the tactics and tools you give to yeah. sort of navigate this for for someone who is un, unsure about this or yeah. doesn't know how to do it. I because mean, I'm I would imagine it's it's kind of easy on the outset to do to take care of the visible, yeah. uh, the visible uh, diversity in yeah. a way, because you just make sure you have a diverse yeah. group, you try to recruit from different places yeah. and different age groups, and yeah. uh, you, it's almost like a matrix with you, you exactly. tick all the boxes. Exactly. And, and it has
1: to be noted that the visible diversity is super important, yeah. of course, as well, because you representation equals inspiration. Mm. If I in a company don't see anyone reminding of myself, mm. you know, it sends signals, but it's not the whole truth about a person. Uh, but but the, the things I think yeah, that a group should focus on is that thing where I, where I um, forgot the question. But who are we for? Right. What do we l- deliver, etc. And then you have to understand that if you have a homogeneous team setup, and uh, it will go wrong. So when we see what type of diversity traits really matter for efficiency and and you know productivity and uh, innovation, there are seven traits. So I see if I remember them or we have to look in the book. <laughs> no, but it is a career path. You mm. know, where have you been working? Uh, academic background. It is age. It is country of origin. It is gender. Uh, but it's also how many years I've been working in the company. That was six. So I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting some, some diversity traits, whatever.
0: That's
1: okay. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, in a team, you need to have maximum 70% of those. Mm. And 30% something different. Mm. Because we have a couple of challenges in our heads or, you know, or us being human. That is kind of working against including diversity. And the first is our brains. So basically our brains, they were programmed, you know, many, many years ago when our life looked very much different than it does today. So we quickly had to define, should I pet this hairy animal that's running towards me or should I flee? How should I behave to, you know, be a part of the, t- the crowd in the, in the yeah. cave, etc., yeah. etc.? So basically, it, the brains make shortcuts for us without us even thinking in order to survive.
0: So we're biased towards the people that looks like us, talk like us, exactly. sound like so us. Exactly. So basically,
1: we surround ourselves with people, or you know, we interpret information in a way that feels comfortable, feels nice, feels you know safe. Mm. Uh, so if we never been exposed for diversity, that is people not looking, behaving, thinking like us, mm. it means threats. So we will unconsciously not behave in the same way towards them as we do to people that reminds us of ourselves or someone we know and like. Mm. Uh, so we, we need to expose ourselves for diversity. So this, this kind of um, brain is, is, yeah, it's a showstopper. Show and if you then are in a homogeneous team setting, those people and those perspectives will reinforce this effect of bias because we assume that people think like us, right? And that's where it goes wrong. Uh, so really, we need to have this 70% maximum, because 30%, that's the magical percentage. And those has, that has been shown by studies in the psychological field. So there's a very famous experiment, experiment that I love to show. It's called the Ash experiment. It was done in the 60s or the 70s. So basically, they wanted to see if you bring in an outsider into a group, how will he or she react if the rest thinks or acts in one way? So they have this simple, simple exercise. They're showing a paper with three lines on it that are different in in size. And then they show another uh, with another line, vertical line. And the group is said like, okay, so which of these three lines matches this one? And they have a group of seven people, seven are in the experiment and one is the subject matter. Um, So, you know, the the, the people, the six people, they answer wrongly and this experiment in you know, the subject is like what are you doing you know you're wrong and then the third time i think it is he's like okay i say what the others do right. and this is called social conformity and if we are
0: emperors new clothes
1: <laughs> exactly so that's why the magical 30% or mm. the maximum 70% homogeneity so it's you have to look on where who do you serve? what are you for your team and then you have to have these seven traits of diversity but then you also have to have maximum 70% sharing the same traits and 30% different and then the fourth thing is the inclusion part so basically it really popped up the term psychological safety a couple of years back it was um, coined by Amy Edmondson a Harvard business expert uh, and she was studying um, nurses and, like, what are the high-performing teams. And she assumed that it was the ones that did the, the the least mistakes. But it proved the opposite, that high-performing teams was the ones that made the most mistakes, or at least had the, you know, the courage to voice them. So she was like, what is this? And she coined, then, the term psychological safety. And it really boomed when Google, a couple of years later, were doing the same investigation on themselves, yep. like, what defines our high-performing teams? Is it, you know, the diversity? Is it smart people? Is it What is it? And they found the same thing, psychological safety. Basically, an environment, you know, imagine you're having this meeting, and you can voice unfinished ideas, you're getting respect, you're tolerated, you have an equal share of airtime around the table, uh, and there's, a, you know, you can have constructive conflict between hierarchies, you can have shit chats where you, you know, can talk about stuff, where you can interact with different cultures or, you know, all those things. And that is the thing that is, you know, the inclusive culture, the psychological safety, It what helps you to leverage the benefits of diversity Mm. that you need to have then in your team, of course.
0: So those are sort of the tactics, if you will, for inclusivity.
1: Yeah, but also kind of scrutinize back to who do you serve? Scrutinize your most critical processes imagine you you find that you're in a sales organization for example Mm. and you see that oh but our most important process is our sales process okay what's the kind of the steps and dissect this process well the sales conferences they're super important and then it's like okay but what type of perspectives are included in that step it's mostly men okay what's the problem with that oh because most of our customers are women aha what's the problem with that well maybe we can't relate to these customers and you know identify their needs etc etc and it's like what's the solution is to bring more women to the sales conferences so how do we do that and then we have to work and that that's where behaviors comes in so even though we have these good intentions you know we we need diversity we want diversity but we're not you know acting on it and we can work with behavioral design so really in those moments or situations and especially when we're facing complex challenges, you know, are under time pressure, we can see like, okay, Hey, this is a, you know, big, um, probability that we will pick the ones we are used to pick. We listen to the people we used to listen to because we're super stressed, but that's exactly when you need diversity because that's where bias and social conformity flourish. Uh, so you can tweak the environment like okay so if we're having this team and we're having diversity but we know that maybe we are not giving airtime to everyone what type of routines could we implement Mm. so we can you know leverage this um the benefits of the diversity well maybe we can have this inclusion routine called collective reflection meaning that instead of i'm saying like who has a great solutions and you conrad you will you know shout out and talk and then you're priming everyone else everybody writes in silence on a post-it and then share it that's a really good routine because then you get all these perspectives on the table so kind of hack the the moments or the situations or the decisions where you're facing a challenge to not include diversity and kind of help you or manipulate yourself to do it
0: you mentioned google before are there other examples of you know best practices in a way who are who are the best ones at at this in the world
1: that's a very good question and i normally get that question well you would assume that for example sweden will be best in class because Mm -hmm. we having you know all these amazing values and you know we really focus on democracy and you know we're having this everybody should contribute etc but i would say that we are not best in class and uh, uh, the companies that I've experienced are really good at it. They actually exist in sub-Saharan Africa. Because, okay. yeah, because they, <laughs> in opposite to, and then I compare Swedish companies with a Swedish company culture versus uh, like Kenyan companies or mm-hmm. Ethiopian companies, they, the employees, from my experience, it's kind of, they are focusing on the best of the company and they're putting themselves as a second, you know. And in Sweden, we put ourselves first and then the company. So when they kind of identify solutions or scrutinize their culture, the solutions that they invent or you know, are suggesting they are implemented directly. Hmm. And in Sweden or Swedish corporations, it's more about a political game and, you know, should I really, you know, change this? Because maybe it's not beneficial for myself and my career, so that's where you find them or in in UK they're also really good
0: oh really yeah it's, tech it's, companies in UK so is is that because they the level of, of diversity is bigger in that country than in, in Sweden and yes, the Nordics? yes
1: it's, it's they it's, have more
0: cultures in, in London
1: definitely uh, but also what they have that Swedish corporations do not have is that they dare to talk about talent mm. so when They are focusing on talent, they don't care what you look like or where you studied, they care about your potential to deliver. And in Sweden, we are very much, you know,
0: we have the jantel, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> you know, you shouldn't believe that you are something, but right. I think, I think it, they have the mix already, and they're there to talk about talent, mm-hmm. uh,
0: and so. But I mean you mentioned in the beginning of the book there yeah. are you know numerous studies that talks about the benefits of diversity yeah. and, and there are s- several ones from McKinsey and all these mm-hmm. you know uh, big intelligence sort of agencies that yeah. that, that provide this um w- you know w- when they provide the, w- with this data they are looking at the various industries I'm guessing yeah, yeah, and yeah. they know also who is the best so, so to speak yeah. Um...
1: But but to say to these research or these uh, studies, they show a correlation, uh, but they hardly measure the inclusion part. Mm. So they see diversity, and they they don't ask questions like, uh, do you feel free to voice your ideas without you know fear mm. of ridicule or being bullied? Can you voice unfinished ideas? You know, are you getting heard, etc. That is what matters. Mm.
0: You mentioned um, being sort of target-oriented and, mm-hmm. and uh, having your sort of target customer or you know, wh- whatever mission you have as, as, a, as yeah. um, you know, you, a private company. And you mentioned in the beginning that, that uh, you mostly uh, target private companies with, with this process. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also mentioned something else and, and that you have made a conscious choice in your own uh, career yeah. to sort of marry uh, these issues that are, you are very passionate about, you, you call yourself an activist, uh, <laughs> with um, uh, sort of you know, revenue streams and, and you know financial sustainability as yeah. well. Yeah. So talk about that uh, um, decision to, yeah. to go that route, if mm-hmm. you will. Because uh, yeah. it seemed pivotal. Yeah, for, <laughs> really.
1: yeah it, it really was. And it's still hurtful, but, uh, but successful. Uh, no, but so so why I became passionate about this topic was when I was 20 and I was doing the military service. So obviously I was not, you know, surrounded by a lot of women, but a lot of men. And before I started there, I thought that of course I would have the same prerequisite to perform, to be myself, you know, to deliver. But a couple of months in the the program even though I outperformed them uh, in, you know, running with backpack and, you know, gun in my hand or, you know, shooting range or academic exams, they said that I was lucky uh, mm. because I stood out so much. I was really, you know, experienced as what it was to be a minority. And I got, you know, so angry and frustrated because it did affect my performance. But then I, I got to go to Kosovo working on the field and I was in the intelligence unit. So from our point of view, An intelligence point of view was to access as much information as possible from as many people as possible and in order to accomplish that we needed to look different behave different you know have different perspectives and create trust in different ways so when we did that we were women men you know looking differently you know color skin it was amazing because at the end of the day it got us access to more information and our you know analysis got better our forecast got better our decisions made better Um, And the uh, Swedish armed forces then on the field were talking about something they call operative effect. Basically, we don't do this diversity stuff because we want to be nice. We need it because we want to be better. So I experienced that, but still I was very angry. So when I started my first company, I was so passionate about gender diversity, of course. Mm. Um, And I tried, you know, to point fingers and, you know, I was interacting with... (laughs) yeah companies, and they were quite homogeneous uh, in their setup. Uh, I was interacting with men 50 years white, basically. And they got not so passionate about the topic because it was a blame game. Mm. Uh, and, you know, so I started to say, okay, so when do they listen? And they started to listen and, and you know, become engaged when I was talking, starting to talk their language, basically financial terms, effect, proficiency, efficiency, blah, blah, blah. So i like, okay, but maybe I could kind of package this uh, in a kind of Trojan horse kind of way. Like they they buy this, but they get this. Uh, And it worked. Uh, But also in the beginning, it was very frustrating. I remember one time was one of the global heavy industrial companies, Swedish. uh, They had been focusing then on gender diversity so they bought this program. They, you know, paid me a lot of money to go around the globe, work with hundreds of women from many, many different countries to identify then, how could we change our culture to, you know, get more female to management positions. Uh, and uh, I we was in India uh, that day and the management team had flew down and they were sitting in the back and I had this hundred women in front of me and I was kind of kickstarting the workshop. And, uh, before it, would, it had been, you know, more, you know, reach your potential talent, blah, blah. but this session was about change. So I was like, you know, really energized and, you know, pushing them and fired up and talking about change, like you can contribute, blah, blah. And then we had a break first break and the CEO came towards me and said, okay, but you have to apologize for what you just did because this isn't, you know, nice to have thing, you know, we're just doing this for the women. We are not ready to change anything. And I was like, okay so i was still you know not so experienced i went up on stage after break and i did apologize but then you know after a couple of minutes i started out again you know i couldn't <laughs> help myself and during lunch uh, he came up again and he says like you have to calm down like you know we didn't buy this and then i i went out um, and i started to cry and luckily i had my mentor with me a change expert and he said okay so if you don't do this now you know what will you feel like afterwards and you cannot take responsibility for these women but you can give them the opportunity and if they are not you know working ahead of this when they interact with this management team it's not your fault so i decided then to go ahead with it um, still Mm. Uh, but you know when they presented the ideas they saw the management team that you know they didn't cost anything they could be easily implemented and they did increase their number of female employees at the end but it was really hurtful then. Uh, mm. Nowadays, I'm not encountering that as much, uh, but still, it's really beneficial to talk about this topic, this fluffy topic about culture change in financial terms.
0: Right. You 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 mentioned in the book as well that, that you know it's been uh, struggling for you to to take this route. Is there mm-hmm. other types of criticism that you've uh... Uh, yes. you know, b- account, <laughs> yes. b- encountered because of this?
1: Uh, and I mean, in this field, and especially in Sweden, that is, um, we have uh, people that are striving for gender diversity mm. and gender equality. And they are, according to me, still taking the minority perspective. They're quite angry and their efforts are not creating change. Mm. Uh, or you have the ones that are, uh, you know, really passionate about helping minority groups. Uh, they're talking about racism or discrimination, and they have their point of view, but they are also angry, uh, and I get that. Uh, but why I talk in these financial terms is because I'm most passionate about changing stuff. Right. Uh, but I get criticism for, from them as well, like, oh, but you're a woman, you know, don't you, you know, want to serve our cause? It's like, yes, that's what I do. Mm. It just doesn't look like it for you maybe, but, you know, look on the inside of the companies where I've been. There you can see the change, but that's not so easy to you kind know, of, to be transparent about.
0: I, I want to talk about this word transformation because mm-hmm. you, you call yourself a, a transformative activist or transformation activist. What was it? <laughs> Whatever, transformative
1: <laughs> activist. Yeah.
0: Because um, you know, we talk about this as well from you know the perspective of, of the industries that we come from. You mm-hmm. know, fashion design, and, and it usually it revolves around technology and sustainability and, and so forth. We're not experts in, in, in change in the way that you are. So mm. I'm curious, you know, how 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 do you bring about change what's the, what what are the most uh, you know effective ways and, yeah. and you mentioned some of the sort of there there are different schools and practice yeah. and so forth yeah. do you subscribe to any of them yourself or do you have kind of your own process yeah
1: i started out when i when i started i i tried to apply all these theories about change you mm. know and basically they you know they say what they say is like plan your change you know do your change and reinforce the change mm. Uh, Very simple put, Uh, but all those theories were kind of like, they were so, so large and heavy and they were not sexy at all and were not engaging, it was, you know, it was too complicated. Mm. Um, And what they also miss is the behavioral part. So basically my journey where I ended up is to mix kind of disciplines. So I, of course, am passionate about change because you have to have the strategy, the, you know, the, the holistic view, but you also have to package this in a very nice way. You have to make it engaging. So I work with concept designers, you know, uh, yeah. So it's, it's nice to experience. It's fun and uh, yeah, it's sexy. But then also the psychological part, so I've been working a lot with psychologists to actually make people to change behavior and that's where you need to focus on those small small things right um, so I kind of like change for me is the you know the heavy theories is the night package it's the psychological point of view and uh, then the most important thing is that it has to be a bottom-up approach not mm. a top-down mm. so what I say to the companies when they have the strategies is like Put hold on your strategies, let everyone in your organization co-create that. So how we activate the change journey in diversity and inclusion is to really deliver a kind of workshop format that they can do on their own. Uh, and they get to understand you know, what is diversity and inclusion for our specific company. They get to understand the barriers, the brain, the social conformity. They had to scrutinize their own behaviors, their work, and come up with their solutions. So that's how I bring about change. And the most important thing is the storytelling. Because I, they can do the story doing first, but then you have to broadcast, you know, what are the easy solutions? Who are doing them? What benefits are they? And create a platform from within in these corporations so everybody could see what's happening. Hmm. Because we want to do what people does that is successful. So that is also has to be in place.
0: Why, why is it so hard for people to change?
1: Well, I mean, it, it it boils down to psychology. It's like we do we do the behaviors, and we train ourselves to do the behaviors that is most that is best for us. That makes us feel included. That you know, you know, doesn't take too much effort. So it's it's easier. The brain thinks it's easier. That's why it's hard.
0: Mm. It's, it seems to me one of the challenges we have living in the era or the time we are living in right now Mm -hmm. is that the world around us is changing in such a rapid pace exponential pace and we as humans don't we we don't have the ability really naturally Mm. or or uh, you know organically to think in exponential terms No. So for us, you know, it's easier for us to think about, you know, um, someone mentioned recently some kind of like a we're like baseline thinkers. Like there's some (laughs) kind of baseline in our lives. You have
1: to be a next level thinker.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, in our childhood or whatever, some point in our life we think like that's this is the natural level, and everyone has this, and we we all we all feel like we're gonna fall back on that at some point. I don't know about
1: your Spotify list, but you know, my biggest hits they started to get updated when I was like. 25 <laughs> so I mean <laughs> they're still my biggest
0: yeah um, yeah. You're, you're kind of in this sort of horrible loop of, yeah. of your 20s <laughs> or teens maybe yeah exactly, um, exactly. yeah
1: exactly. it is hard no but I think and I mean we cannot grasp the change that is going on mm. but we can focus on our closest environment mm. and our our day-to-day work which is my area of expertise as uh, so, and we can change you know in a meeting could i do this instead of that and you know really try to do those small things because mm. a great successf- successful successful behavior in for example a meeting can lead to other positive consequences so it's really see change as you know dream big but start small right. and see what happens
0: do, do you use, like, um, you know, because a lot of this has to be uh, come down to sort of habits mm-hmm. and routines. And, yeah. you know, you need to do, do the sort of small changes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know this this um, American author James uh, Clear, his name is talking about sort of your your you know your your bank account is, is a result of your financial habits, yeah. right? Or your exactly. body is your result of your yeah you know you know what you eat, uh, <laughs> what you eat or, or, oh, or how you move, exactly. right? Exactly. So it's it's got to be the same thing with companies and, and organizations, right? Yeah. So do you do you have like a when you do these? You know, I haven't come this further if, <laughs> far into the book. I'm sure it's in there. So yeah. are there Tools like that, or the tactics, yes. or the habits yes. that you want to implement yes. in organizations.
1: Yes, and I would like to start out with then an, a, a another psychological experiments where I kind of got inspiration from, mm. uh, and also had an inspiration to work with behavioral designs. So it was in uh, Schiphol Airport, and they had severe problems with people peeing outside the urinal. I don't know why, why because I'm not a man, but still they had those problems, and they were trying, you know, to put up these signs like, please, mm. you know, don't do this, blah blah blah. Uh, and still nothing happened. Could equal to a policy or a strategy around diversity and inclusion. Right. And then they kind of like, what happens if we put a sticker of the fly in the urinal? Mm. And it drastically stopped the peeing outside. So really, the, des- the design of this fly, they-, they still had a choice, right? The ones who, who visited the urinal. But it's kind of made it easier for them to do the right behavior. Mm. And exactly in the same way we have to work with inclusion of diversity. So, for example, if we are brainstorming or making ideas or making strategies, we could have the habit of having an empty chair, for example, in each meeting room. That will remind us, like, who is not sitting here that we should invite for the next meeting? Or are there several chairs that are missing? It could be the collective uh, reflection that I was talking about, you know, put your insights or ideas on a post-it note to make sure everybody's contributing. It could be these checkpoints, like in a digital process, like, okay, this is a step where you need to add perspectives. Have you done that? Or a world map, like okay, but you know, put a pin whenever you're interacting with someone, key stakeholder, customer, employee, and see where your kind of your reach out is, because you will see your blind spots mm. and maybe interact with someone there. So it's really those visible reminders that helps you to do what you really want to do, but have a hard time doing.
0: Mm. What what recommendations do you have to sort of the startup community? It seems to me like the companies that are in the, you know, sort of massive scale type of organizations that everything has to scale at really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, that has to differ a lot from, uh, say, a government organization, which is more kind of fixed in its its structure. Uh,
1: I don't. Uh, since I've been working what, both with you know tech startups and big heavy mm. uh, conglomerates, mm. basically, I would say that you know time is a challenge in any business. We are making decisions. Uh, you know, we prefer to make them yesterday, but we're not, and and we're stressed, and we're all facing complex you know solutions. We're all you know not knowing who we're serving or you know what's the next big thing, uh, and that's when we need diversity. So in any organization, we need it. But for these tech companies, since that was your question, I would say that they need to focus first on the inclusion part because hopefully, and I assume because I've been working with them, they already have the diversity. Mm. So they would need to see, do they have psychological safety in their teams Uh, and, and focus on that? Because you need to have that to really make the best decisions. And you have to also just accept. Including diversity takes time and takes effort, but it's totally worth it.
0: Hmm. What you know? What are some of the benefits of diversity and inclusion, uh, mm. other than you have mentioned before? But other, you know, th- that you know yeah. that these these studies show, or that you yeah. prefer to to. Um, so, so if highlight. you have
1: if you have diversity and if you're having an inclusive environment in yeah. those same teams, you will have better collaboration better decision-making, better ability to reduce and spot risks. You will have, you know, well-being increases, sick leaves, you know, goes down. So it's, you know, like what happens if you're nice to people and, you know, <laughs> use their potential? It makes so much sense, but right. still it's so hard.
0: Right. We talked about different countries before, mm-hmm. and, and I'm curious, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I was a bit surprised by your, your answer, but I'm also curious about how you view sort of the Nordics, Obviously we're called Scandinavian Mind. We mm-hmm. have a sort of Nordic mindset and, and we work on an international level. So what are, are the are there things that we do do better if mm. in the Nordics compared to other countries?
1: I think that we are early adopters. Mm. And since its uh, diversity and inclusion is really a hype, uh, It will be a huge probability that companies jump on this topic, uh, but still we're having the legislation that I think is working against us because we have you know the the government that are having you know discrimination uh, policies and they having you know they're forcing companies to you know set targets etc. So there's there's a gap between the private and the public sector. Uh, so. I think that if we are going to be those frontrunners that we really are and you know, be so unique, you know, the World Map Survey, we, we're really unique, we stick out from the rest of the world, uh, we need to make a better collaboration between corporations and government authorities because I think the solutions exist within the companies and then the government should support that instead of forcing them to do things that get them stuck in a rut.
0: Right, right. Sofía, we talked before we started recording about sort of our own uh, different challenges when it comes to the COVID year and, and how that sort of, uh, you know, upended our, our, our plans. Uh, you've been an entrepreneur before, you've, you've run your own companies, now you've written the book. Uh, uh, what's next for you? What, what's your plan? Where do you want to take this?
1: Oh, God, it's, that's a big question. <laughs> no, it's it's. but I think, uh, I mean, of course, I want as many companies and organizations as much to, to use this book because it's really, it's cheap, it's affordable <laughs> and it can create change uh, and kind of get that going. But really, and now I'm kind of swearing in church, but helping large organizations, it's kind of a like a hospice uh, business. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Because they do change and they do, I mean, they are making such progress but since i have three children on my own and i see how they start to form in school i think since i'm so passionate about change is to start a school uh, to really give them the values the you know the tools so they can really go out there and be their full selves and you know and do that because i think that if we don't do that uh, i don't know how we can create even more change
0: well, Sophia Falk, author of The Diversity Paradox, uh, thank you so much for sharing your insights and congratulations on a, on a great book. Thank you. Thanks for being here. You've been listening to the Scandinavian Mind podcast with me, Conrad Olson. This show was edited by Eric Sedin. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your preferred podcast app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. To get the latest news, insights and invites to upcoming events, sign up to our newsletter. Just go to ScandinavianMind.com to become part of our movement.